Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 100th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, President of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, cybersecurity, and information technology firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm John Simic, Vice President of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is Breaking and Entering, the Fascinating Life of a Professional Pen Tester. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, We'd like to thank our sponsor, PINow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit PINow.com to learn more. Our guest today on the 100th edition of this podcast is our friend and colleague, Sherry Davidoff. Sherry is a cybersecurity expert, author, speaker, and CEO of both LNG Security and Brightwise Incorporated. As a recognized expert in digital forensics and cybersecurity, Sherry has authored courses for Black Hat and the Sands Institute. She's conducted cybersecurity training for many notable organizations, including the Department of Defense, the American Bar Association, FFIEC, FDIC, and many more. Sherry is a faculty member at the Pacific Coast Banking School, where she teaches cybersecurity classes. She's a frequent contributor of education articles and webinars, and occasionally serves as a cybersecurity expert on television. Sherry is a GIAC certified forensic examiner and a penetration tester, a GPEN, and holds her degree in computer science and electrical engineering from MIT. And finally, her new book, Data Breaches, is going to be released in the spring of 2019. We're glad to have you with us today, Sherry. Well, thank you so much, John and Sharon. It is a real honor to be here for your 100th episode. I think this is a huge milestone for you guys. And as I was mentioning earlier today, I took the time to listen to, I went back and I listened to your very first podcast that you ever did. I don't know if you guys remember it. Um, it was back in 2010. So that was a while ago. Uh, and it was called a look at data breaches, which I think of course is a perfect topic um, since, since I love data breaches. And uh, some of the things I thought were great about it. Uh, first of all, it was really thorough. Um, you mentioned the Anthem breach, and I was like, the Anthem breach? Wasn't that 2015? And it turned out that there was another Anthem breach before the big Anthem breach that we knew about. So the history just keeps repeating mm -hmm. itself. Um, and you also <laughs> mentioned at the time, uh, top reasons for breaches were unencrypted data, like lost laptops, key loggers, and spyware, SQL injection, default credentials. So I'm just curious to get your take looking back. First, did you ever expect to be doing this nine years later? Um, and then second, have we learned anything in these nine years? How has the industry changed? <laughs> Look at how she's turned the table. She's doing the interview. I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, well, you well, know, <laughs> Sherry's pretty smart. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I well, do the work. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll take the answer to number one. Uh, I had hoped that we would be doing cybersecurity because as I was turning the ship, the corporate ship, in that direction, I thought I saw uh, an opening that probably was not only here to stay, but as we all know, there is no un unemployment in cybersecurity. It's a zero unemployment rate, and I kind of saw that coming. So uh, I'm not surprised that we're still doing cybersecurity. You want to answer the second part of the question, John? Um, well, yeah, counselor, can you repeat the question? No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Uh, all right, I, I'll get off the witness stand now. Uh, have we improved any? Uh, probably a little bit. I think we're we're much more aware. At least that's what what my feeling is. But we're still seeing the same basic rudimentary problems. You know, the whole the tactics are a little bit different. You know, the fishing and all that stuff. Um, and we've seen variations of those. But I think the base problems, though, I think generally they're they're still around. Um, and, and thank you for reminding us about that episode, Sherry. I, you know, I thought my memory was going, but, you know, I, I guess it's coming back now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's amazing how unencrypted passwords are still a problem today. I feel like we've made some progress with the unencrypted devices, though. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. Yes, a for large sure. bit of progress. But there's still work to be done, especially in the solo small firm market. That's but, for sure. But I think to Absolutely. a large degree, it's the people aren't any smarter. And I say that truthfully, it's they don't know that the devices are encrypted. <laughs> They're automatically happening right. for, for them. So, so if yeah, it's not the people that got smarter; it's the machines. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. What's so funny? I have a quote from you, John, from 2010, and then I'll let us move on. Uh, back in 2010, in, on your first podcast, you said that security breaches happen not because people aren't competent, but because they're not aware. So you're saying they're still not aware. We just have better technology. Right. <laughs> pretty pretty you, much. You, you know, we, we need to stop recording ourselves because it ends up coming back to us, Sharon. <laughs> I <know. laughs> I, I've more than once had that thought, John. <laughs> well, Sherry, we're so thrilled that you are here for our 100th podcast. That's really wonderful. And although everyone in the cybersecurity world probably knows about you, we have a lot of folks who listen to us who probably don't know you. So would you tell us a little about your yourself and your two companies and the work that you do? Absolutely. I'm the CEO for two companies, LMG Security and Brightwise. Um, LMG is coming into our 10th year. We do penetration testing, so we break into companies and write reports about it. We do uh, compliance, so we help organizations comply with their cybersecurity requirements, whether those are legal or contractual. And if a company gets hacked, we do breach response. We come in, we handle the investigation, we get things cleaned up. Uh, Brightwise is a cybersecurity training company, so we make cute little animated videos for employee awareness training. I love it. I'm going to have to see one of those videos sometime, Sherry. Um, oh, yeah, I'll send it to you. I know you wear this because I shot you an email the, the, the same day or at least probably within two hours after after seeing you show up on NBC's Today Show. And Sharon was in the back back in a bedroom. And I says, you got to see this. Turn on a TV. Sherry's on. <laughs> <laughs> so, she was very oh, excited, Sherry. <laughs> so that was, that cool. was great. But uh, tell our listeners how, how that interview came about. Sure. Well, I had the good fortune of being involved with the book Breaking and Entering by Jeremy N. Smith. And um, as part of the publicity for that, uh, they did outreach and the Today Show became interested in my story and, you know, uh, being a woman running a cybersecurity company, which you guys are familiar with. And also um, just, you know, my history as a hacker, because uh, I had the, the good fortune of being here as the industry evolved. I mean, cybersecurity was not even a word when I first started in the industry. And it's just been a fascinating ride. Well, that interview was was really a good, good interview. What what are the takeaways from that interview that our listeners might be interested in? Sure. I think the big thing was in the interview, you could see our team conducting a phishing test and watch how people clicked on those links and fell victim. Um, and in fact, the reporter, Stephanie Gosk, actually did a phone scam herself and was able to trick a receptionist into downloading a file and clicking on it. And that's the kind of thing that could get your entire organization infected with ransomware, with a banking trojan. Um, so you really can't be too careful. In that case, the receptionist's name was Nancy. And so they ended by saying, we are all Nancy. It is so easy to 
click on the wrong link or to accidentally install something that has malicious software in it. So uh, really being aware, raising awareness for everybody is so important. Well, Sherry, you mentioned the book by Jeremy Smith, uh, Breaking and Entering, the Extraordinary Story of a, a Hacker Called Alien. What part did you play in that book? <laughs> well, secretly, I'm alien. Um, I'm the subject <laughs> of the book. I don't think so it's much of a was... secret to us. <laughs> It's not anymore, which is a little odd, um, because as a security and privacy professional, um, it was a big deal to like have my story be told and to, to feel exposed in some ways, because um, it's fairly dramatic in places. Um, but yeah, I, I was the subject of this book, and it was, it was a fun experience. <laughs> well, lawyers tend to be very confused about the lines between things like security audits, also sometimes called security assessments, and pen testing, penetration testing. They don't get it. It's not their world, and they don't know what it is they need. Can you help clarify the distinctions between those things for, for the people who are listening? Absolutely. And this is such a great question because sometimes when you hire somebody for a pen test, you might think you're getting a vulnerability assessment or something different. So a penetration test is when ethical hackers break into your network and write a report about it. Um, and that means that they may go so far as to actually get copies of data that you say is really valuable and show you that they were able to get it. It's really good for identifying root cause issues like uh, you have issues with patching or you have a lot of exposed interfaces. And this is different from, say, a vulnerability assessment where someone's job is to scan your network and give you a comprehensive list of all the vulnerabilities, but not necessarily take it to that next level and break in. So penetration testing will illustrate, you know, what damage could a hacker cause? What could they steal? Whereas vulnerability assessments are really just going to assess your vulnerabilities. Um, you also see general types of assessments. For example, if you're regulated under HIPAA or if you need to comply with the NIST cybersecurity framework, uh, you can have assessments of your policies and procedures or of your compliance with those frameworks. I think it's also interesting to note that the definition of penetration testing has varied over the years. In fact, it's required by PCI DSS. Uh, if you are regulated under the payment card industry standards, um, then you need to get a penetration test. And that's been going on for almost 20 years. But the definition of a penetration test was not clarified until 2015. That's when they first said, here's what a penetration test is, and here's how it should be conducted. So this has been a big open question in the industry for a long time. Great. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PINow understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today our topic is Breaking and Entering the Fascinating Life of a Professional Pen Tester. Our guest today is Sherry Davidoff. Sherry is a cybersecurity expert, author, speaker, and CEO of both LMG Security and Brightwise, Inc. Well, Sherry, before the break, you, you were talking about penetration testing and, and vulnerability assessments and all that. But how did you specifically get interested in, in pen testing and how did you become qualified as a, as a pen tester? 
Well, I started off on MIT's network security team 18 years ago, and I still remember I saw an advertisement. They were looking for people who wanted to stay up late and eat pizza and watch the network. And I was like, I am qualified. I can stay up late. I can eat pizza, and I'll figure out this network thing. Um, and that's what we did. Uh, I, was, I was part of MIT's first network security team. And like everybody in the, in the industry, I ramped up along with the attackers, watching for viruses and malware and shutting down the infected computers, going to find them. And that was before, again, cybersecurity was even a word. In fact, I was interested enough in cybersecurity that I had to petition to study it as part of my advanced undergraduate project because there wasn't really a, a field of study in it at the time. Um, and then from there, I started doing physical penetration testing, so breaking into banks, uh, writing reports about it. And from there, it was just a small hop into breaking into networks. And along the way, I also did a lot of digital forensics. So as a follow-on, though, I mean, you didn't do Capture the Flag with RPI, did you? <laughs> well, I did. I, you know, I think Capture the Flags are an interesting topic. I, I like to say they keep uh, students off the streets of the Internet uh, because so many students <laughs> want to play. And two decades ago, like, they just played on the Internet. They would break into websites for fun. So now it's really important that we have these security capture the flag programs where students all over the country compete to break yeah. into things, but it's in a safe environment. They're not real systems. <laughs> well, I feel funny asking this question because I know your answer, and I think it's pretty funny. But the, but the question that we discussed earlier was what percentage of your time is spent doing pen testing, and then what does the rest of your professional life look like? So what percentage of your time is spent doing pen testing, Sherry? <laughs> I'm sad to say that these days I think it's just about zero and it makes me want to cry. Um, yeah, as a CEO, I don't get to do the fun stuff anymore. Uh, that's not true. I don't get to do the, the hands-on pen testing fun stuff as much anymore. Um, I do get to do things like manage large-scale data breaches, which are really fun. So I do get to be involved in the forensic side of things that way. But yeah, these days, uh, my, my job mostly involves designing new services because cybersecurity changes so quickly, um, being involved with our VIP clients or on these bleeding edge cases where a new data breach has come out and it's huge and it maybe some of our newer regulations are in play. So that's really fun getting to be on that bleeding edge of the industry and figure out, you know, work with the attorneys and figure out what do we need to do as forensic analysts to support them in, in making the decisions they need to make. Do we notify? Do we not notify? Well, as, as you know, Sherry, I'm one of the co-chairs for ABA Tech Show this year, so I kind of had a little advance notice of, of you being on the faculty, but, and we're really delighted that you're going to be a speaker there this year. But tell us about the session, the uh, security practices that won't bust your budget, that you're going to be doing with Dave Reese, and what you plan to cover, and, and maybe even give a, a, a few tips from, from the session for our listeners. Yeah, I'm very excited to be speaking with Dave, uh, who's a longtime friend and, of course, an expert in the industry. Um, and we're going to be talking about cheap security. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. Um, the number one takeaway from our session, I'll give you a heads up, is to delete or reduce your data. I like to think of data as hazardous material like oil or nuclear waste, and you have to keep it carefully controlled if you're going to hang on to it. But if you don't need it, get rid of it. And you don't see this advertised by security companies as like the number one most important thing because nobody makes money off of you deleting your data. Um, but right there, that is an inexpensive thing you can do to dramatically reduce your risk of a breach. Um, our second takeaway is going to be use strong authentication. And of course, authentication means something different in security than it does in the legal industry. So it means um, how do you verify someone's identity? These days, we've been seeing all these password breaches coming out 
it seems like more and more. At this point, I just feel, and I don't know how you guys feel, but passwords are dead to me. Um, I think that it, you just have to assume that your password is stolen or that it's going to be stolen. Mm -hmm. So use two-factor authentication more than one way of verifying your identity. John, 10 years ago or nine years ago in mm -hmm. your first podcast, you guys said that you surveyed an audience of attorneys and only 20% of them said they had a pin on their phone. And I feel like that's changed <laughs> these days, right? I feel like, yep. I mean, how do you guys feel? Have mo do most attorneys have pins on their phones these days? Uh, generally, most of them, at least my, my experience and what I've observed, they're doing biometric unlock. Oh, there we go. Because they don't want to type. They they don't want to type anything <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> they really want instant on, and so biometrics right. is as close to that as you can get. Right. Well, and I think that bodes well because, you know, we've been saying for years that you need to use two-factor authentication, but it was so hard and so clunky. You had to have that silly little token, the hardware token with the number that you have to type in. And now it's possible you have your password. That's one factor. And then maybe you get a little pop-up on your phone with an authentication app and you just click yes, sign on, um, or you have a code on your phone. But I think we're making it easier and easier for people to yep. deploy two-factor authentication, which again, bodes well for the future. For well, sure. we know you're, we know you're going to do two sessions at Tech Show, and we love the very mafia-sounding title of your other session, which is avoiding Avoid Swimming with the Fishes with Ian Hugh. Can you tell us a little bit about that session? And again, if you offer a couple of takeaways, that would be great. Absolutely. Um, and I like that you reference mafia because so many phishing attacks are done by organized crime these days. And that's an important takeaway for everybody. This is not 13 year olds in their mom's basement. This is not kids playing on the internet. These are organized crime groups and they are using spam. They are using phishing emails to break into your computer. For example, we have seen a rash of banking Trojan attacks. This is a type of malicious software. It was originally designed to steal your banking information. And there was a big case in involving a Toronto law firm where um, a, someone was managing a trust account on behalf of a client and the banking Trojan stole the username and password and moved a six-figure sum of money out of the trust account. And the bank is not responsible for that. You don't get that money back. These days, that same software has evolved into a much more sophisticated and evil type of software that will literally just suck up all the files on your computer and start sending them out to the attacker as soon as you click on that attachment and your computer gets infected. So that's very scary, especially for law firms, given the sensitivity of the data that we have. Um, and so many different problems start with phishing. It's not just uh, data breaches. It's ransomware cases where your computers and your data can get locked up and held for ransom, and then the criminals want you to pay them money to release it. We have a lot of financial fraud cases. Maybe a client says, please send money to this third party on our behalf, or maybe a vendor tells you, hey, please pay us. Here's where you wire money. So what Ian and I are going to be talking about are some real-life cases. We're going to show you some videos from our laboratory so you can see these uh, these types of scams in action. And then um, we'll talk about the consequences. To protect yourself, number one, think before you click. That's what we always say. Think before you click. Uh, don't just blindly click on things. Um, if you get a web address, a URL, inspect it carefully, hover your mouse over it, and then if you get a payment request, call to confirm the instructions. Please do not just rely on email. It's so important because so many people's email accounts are getting hacked these days. Good advice for sure, both of those.
Um, by the way, may I mention one more thing? Uh, for anyone who's going to be out at Tech Show, we mentioned Jeremy N. Smith and the book Breaking and Entering. Jeremy will be there, and so will I. And we're going to be doing a book signing at the Tech Show on Friday, March 1st at 9.30 a.m. It's at the Brightwise booth. So if you're there at Tech Show, please come by and see us. Super. I'll, I'll be there, Sherry. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so finally, what do you want to be when you grow up? No, act, really, though. <laughs> what, 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 what do you, I'm what never going to grow up, John. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what are your plans for the future and, and maybe some things that, that our listeners should be thinking about as far as the future of cybersecurity, especially with regards to, to privacy? And, and, and I'm not going to let you leave until you let our, our listeners know how they're going to be able to contact you as well. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, well, in terms of my future plans, I'm excited to continue growing my two companies. And I'm especially excited about these little animated training videos. It's been really fun to help work on the scripts, to get to draw pictures of sharks and talk about cybersecurity. So I hope people will enjoy that. Um, in terms of the future of cybersecurity, I think we're more and more devices, of course, are becoming networked. We talked about the Internet of Things. Um, you have smart refrigerators and smart cars and smart buildings and and maybe they're a little too smart because with that kind of connectivity come security issues. And what we're seeing is that manufacturers are not necessarily keeping up with the standards. And again, back to that first podcast you guys did, it's the same issues over and over again. At LMG, we demonstrated that we could break into a security camera and then use it to install crypto mining software. So we actually made some money off of our security camera. Um, but we broke into it using a weak password. <laughs> I know I, I made like two cents. Um, oh, well, I need to get a better security camera. But just imagine criminals are going to be breaking into your heating systems. They're going to be breaking into your building's lighting systems. You're going to wake up one day and find out that, oh, your refrigerator doesn't work or your oven doesn't work. And maybe you have to pay a ransom to turn it back on. Um, and this is important not just for individuals, but also for businesses. Because I don't know if you remember when DLA Piper was held for ransom. Their email systems yep. were down, their phone systems were down. And I was just thinking, at least yep. they could walk into the lobby. At least the building lighting systems were on. At least the heat was on. Because five years <laughs> from now, we're going to see criminals holding us hostage, holding our building systems hostage, holding our physical systems hostage. And that's scary. It really is. And I don't know if you if you remember or saw this particular story, but some folks broke into a casino through an Internet-connected aquarium and through that getting in there they were able to get the casino's list of high rollers with contact information i do remember that that's amazing like why it makes you think why is your aquarium on the internet um, <laughs> and then like you look that. at like <laughs> but then you look at like hospitals and i remember working with hospitals at 10 15 years ago and sometimes they didn't even know that a vendor had just plugged something into the network uh, you can't always control what vendors are doing so you have to be really careful John, you also mentioned the other day the Singapore Airlines uh, case where people realized yep. just this month that there are cameras built into the backs of seats. And from a privacy perspective, yeah. it's so creepy to think about what if your airline seat gets a virus? Are they going to watch you? Like, you know, what if you get nauseous and barf on the airplane and they have a copy of that? I don't know. Um, it's, it's a little creepy. <laughs> well, well, well this, this morning, American Airlines came clean, too. They also have some aircraft with uh, cameras in their back seats. <laughs> Seriously, I oh, didn't really? hear that. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Ameri go. that, hit, that hit today. Now, we we, we, oh we have, we have way, way, way too much data. 
Well, you well, know, you know they're doing it for a reason because nobody simply gives you a free camera. So there's a reason for <laughs> right. it. But but I suspect it's more about marketing and seeing what we're paying attention to or selling us stuff and and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Who who knows? Stuff like that. Um, Tar- targeted you know, ads, those kinds of things. Yeah. Or or think yeah, think I mean, of the sexual. Uh, We've all heard about, you know, the sex at so many thousand feet in the air. Uh, So I guess if they capture some of that, they've got some great video blackmail. (laughs) Oh, Sharon, people will be doing airplane Tinder. (laughs) You can just tell the people on your airplane and swipe right if you like them. (laughs) Well, you you know, Sherry, if this cybersecurity business doesn't work out, I think you and I have a good idea for a new enterprise. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, in all seriousness, though, I mean, I wonder, are they planning on doing like, like allowing people to do video chats? Or I, I wonder if there's some legitimate business reason behind this? Or do you think it was really to spy on people? To, to, to spy or to market. Marketing, wow. I think, is, is, I mean, we are commodities. So I think it's about marketing and watching what we're paying attention to. So that would be wow. my first thought. But you know what? Whatever they're doing, it's evil. <laughs> And that's what we've learned right. about so many of these things. So so now, Sherry, you're going to have to carry around a roll of electrical tape in your purse. Yeah, that's what I'm going <laughs> to do. Keep, keep, do keep the... of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. John has it in his case, too. So well, we'll, I just, have, we'll just I, cover I the camera. Tape, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably kick us off the plane for, for covering the camera. Right? No kidding. I mean, this brings up some other important security issues for attorneys, though. I mean, first of all, you can't you can't see where all the cameras are. Um, but I worry a lot about, you know, when your phone gets infected, we've seen malware that will grab the audio from the room, for example, and send that right. out. Um, yep. And yep. I mean, do you think that this is a concern for attorneys? Like what if we're sitting there in meetings and one person's phone has a virus and somebody can get that audio? Is there a way we can protect against it? Well, we're trying, but I don't know that there's ever really a way. I mean, we've just heard about that law firm. Where was that, John? In Florida, where they, Florida, they yeah. yeah, where they had recording devices that were in in the law firm, and thank God they <gasps> they found right. it after you know less than twenty four hours. But that's a story that's still developing. And I was kind of working on a blog post, but I, you know, as there have been developments, I've gone well. I think I'm going to wait another day because we keep finding out more. So, but you know what? You didn't answer, Sherry. You didn't tell us your contact information, which is so important. Maybe she doesn't want to be contacted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm secret. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sherry Davidoff. You can visit me on the web at lmgsecurity.com, or you can just turn on that security camera you control in the airline seat that's going to be in front of me in another few days. <laughs> Perfect. I couldn't do better. Sherry, we really want to thank you for uh, being a good friend, for being our guest today on our 100th anniversary here of our podcast. This is great to have you. You're always entertaining, always knowledgeable, just fun to be around. And I think our guests probably got that message too. So thanks for joining us. Thanks so much and congratulations on your 100th podcast. Oh, thanks so much. And we look forward to seeing you next week at ABA Tech Show. That does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or an Apple podcast. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and cybersecurity services at senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.